0: knows a
1: drop what we don't know an ocean. Hello and welcome to the Newton Knowledge Podcast. My name is Mark Singer, partner of Newton One Advisors, and I'm joined by our managing partner, Steve Target. Steve, how are we today? Uh, Mark, I'm doing great. Thank you. The Newton Knowledge Podcast will provide meaningful content to our valued advisor community and anyone interested in learning more about sophisticated insurance related topics focused on estate planning and executive benefits. Our discussions will deliver unique insights into the people, processes, and products that make our industry so critical. Newton One is a national life insurance planning firm delivering customized insurance solutions structured to help clients and their advisors engaged in solving estate planning, wealth transfer, business succession, and executive benefits challenges. We are a member of the M Financial Group, which grants our clients access to the nation's elite carriers and exclusive products available only through our network. Today we have uh, the opportunity to speak with Tim Ziegler. Camelot Auction Group. Tim, how are things?
2: Things are good. I'm happy to be talking with you guys and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself and and, and the work you do with Camelot.
2: I'm Director of Business Development at Camelot Auction House. My role is to help identify and locate the signers, those that are selling through the auction. And I do that through reaching out to all kinds of walks of life. I mean, that's my role. So my role is not uh, part of the operations of the of the auction house, but it's part of attracting those items that we sell. Um, we have two kinds of kinds of uh, clients. We have clients that buy from us and clients that sell through us, selling other people's things and and getting a commission for doing it. Camelot Auction House is um, based in Philadelphia. Uh, we have a hundred thousand square foot building of which we use uh, almost half of it for our auction house. And that's where we're based from. Um, we service service a region for the selling clients. It's about the um, ninety minute drive for the most part, but it all depends on what the items are and how valuable they are as to what makes sense.
0: You have kind of an interesting journey on how you got involved in this uh, in this career. To tell tell us a little bit about how you got started and what you originally were interested in.
2: I became interested in auctions as when i was seven eight nine years old my father loved going to auctions and he would take me along on usually on saturdays when he wanted to do an auction adventure to i believe to pretend like he was helping my mother and it got him a chance to get to get going i had a brother and sister who went one time because they complained and he didn't want someone coming along complaining i actually found the environment incredibly invigorating um there were hundreds of people there was all kinds of excitement as people were looking at items, there were all kinds of excitement as the bidding happened. And it was just really an invigorating environment for me to be in. And you know, something would go up for auction, start at $5 and sell for a hundred dollars. That felt like a million dollars to me when I was seven or eight years old. So it, you know, it started me interested in auctions and I've been, I've been going to auctions my whole life.
0: I was going to ask a follow up question there, and and you know the change I think that's taken place with virtual auctions, you know, particularly during COVID. I, your, your auctions still continued, didn't they, when everyone was in lockdown and you could you could offer items virtually? Is that excitement still the same when when you're conducting an auction virtually versus an auction in person? And and are all the auctions now back in person?
2: You know, it's funny the auction business has evolved over the years, so even. Prior to COVID, there was not hundreds of people that were watching the auction live. Um, there were thousands of people watching the auction live, but they weren't watching it live in person. So even prior to COVID, 2019, early 2020, there were there were still um, bidders that would come in person. But what what's taken over and it got accelerated by COVID is more and more people bidding another way. So they're bidding by using their telephone, they're bidding online, they're bidding from their pad. We have a, a large base of buyers that bid by phone. We they arrange for a, a staff member to call them and the staff member will call them a couple minutes before their item comes up and they're bidding live in that way. Uh, and then there's bidding that's also done by leaving bids in advance. A lot of our buying base are interior decorators and designers and they they will tend to put in, I'm interested in that pair of lamps up to $2,000 or whatever the number is, they either, it gets advanced so they either win the bid or until um, they're outbid. So that all happened even prior to COVID. Once COVID hit, the in-person bidding stopped completely. And in in the majority of auction houses that are at a higher level, there's very little in-person bidding anymore. The other approach to bidding is it works very well. And you're asking about the excitement of it. I think there's still excitement in that when the person is buying an item, they're excited, and the whole goal of the auction house is to make sure that all of the buyers know what they're buying through the online catalogs, through descriptions that they're willing to ask for information. We provide they can ask for the descriptions of items prior to auction that which we will respond to, and most auction houses at the higher level will. You know, the whole idea is to get everybody very comfortable let the bidding happen. So the excitement is not the same as when I was seven, eight, nine years old, but the excitement of, of buying an auction, the emotion of buying something when you're looking to buy it, um, it still is.
0: Help kind of walk us through, um, you and I originally met through the Philadelphia State Planning Council. How does an engagement work? If an estate is interested in selling their their property or some of their property, you know, how do you do the valuations? How do you go through the process to set reasonable expectations? Kind of take us from the beginning through the end of the auction.
2: What will typically happen is we'll get a, I'll get a phone call from either executor or paralegal or an estate attorney saying, Hey, we have this estate. Want to make sure this looks like it makes sense for you. They'll give, they'll give enough of a description that we can. And at that point, what we're trying to do is just to identify that it, that it makes sense what they have makes sense for our auction once we do the next step is to identify exactly which items do make sense we then we then arrange to um, you know give them an overview of, of how it's going to work most of the times uh, the estate attorneys and paralegals certainly understand that most of the time the executors do not most most people are not doing ex- you know doing executor work multiple times so what we will do is we will um, help them understand which items have value, um, which items don't make sense for auction. And we come to an agreement, have an auction agreement that, that they sign. And at that point, um, we arrange for pickup of the items that make sense. Up then, once, there, once things, things are in our gallery, then we can do the photographs and the, any, any other research we need to do and to, and to put what the auction estimates will be for those items auctions usually happen I mean you're putting we're putting items in in where they make sense so not everything from these state will necessarily be auctioned in the same auction there may be items that that make sense for different auctions maybe one makes more sense for an art auction or our garden auction or, or some other auction that we have so we're we're, we're, we're setting things up in the auction we think will work best for them and then the items are then promoted um, and and sold at auction, we then collect the money after the sale, and the money goes to the estate.
1: That's um, that's very interesting, and I want to pivot back to how the landscape has changed from formal auctions and, and virtual auctions, and I know the pandemic has had a lot to do with that. So, my father sells cars, and he has for the last 40 years, and one of my childhood memories was going to the auction with him, and it was, you talk about excitement, it was, not, not just only seeing really unique cars and, and cool cars, but um, how fast the auctioneers could speak was always fun for us as kids. He always said, and this was 10, 15 years ago, well, you have to see it in person. You have to see the cars in person. That's completely flipped. Uh, he does almost everything virtually now in terms of uh, acquiring new cars for, for his lot. So are there certain items that you've seen or are been part of within auctions that there is a, a virtual option or a formal option, you would advise your, your clients to, to see that formally and in person versus saying you can take the virtual route?
2: I don't know if it's by category. It really depends on on the buyer and it, it depends on how well you're providing the information from the auction house's perspective. How, how well you're providing information. What is the quality of the pictures you're taking of the other supporting information that's available of the condition reports. Um, we we have our, our gallery open for anybody that wants to come in in person for previews prior to auction. And we get some people through. So if someone really needs to see something, they'll come in. I mean, sometimes when there's collections being sold, a collection of, of art or a collection of, um, we, we did a collection of mascot hood ornaments and KPM porcelain plaques, sometimes when there's there's a collection. Collectors really want to see the item. That's part of the excitement for them. So we will often see visitors coming in, many from out of town to look at the items because they're collectors. But for the most part, we have probably less than 5% of the items we sold have been seen physically by buyers since COVID hit in 2020.
1: How important is that description then or the visual pictures for a product, not just from it being sold, but from the, the cost uh, or, or the price of it being changed due to that description?
2: Well, it, I mean, the description needs to be good. The pictures need to be good. Um, and one of the key elements is the condition reports. For, for really serious buyers, for really serious items, they'll often ask for condition reports, meaning they can request from us, hey, can you tell me more, whatever the concern is. I see a scratch on the back of that piece. Can you tell me how thick it is or how deep it is? Um, th- questions that are very specific like that. So prior to auctions, our specialists are busy writing up writing up these, these descriptions, um, these condition requests, and we're getting them back out to them. The whole goal is to make every bidder as comfortable as possible. So during that 30 or 40 seconds items being sold, they're not questioning what it is. They're just getting enthused about how much they're willing to buy it for. But, but the condition reports are a big factor, especially in higher end items. And we can we can tell often which items are going to do very well by the volume of condition reports we're getting on them. Um, if you've got that many volume of people that are interested in the item, there's a real good chance you've got a great following.
1: That makes sense. In terms of items, are there are there any items or which items come to mind that turned out to be way more valuable financially for the seller than they they originally perceived?
2: That happens. We're hoping that happens in most every case. Yeah. <laughs> if I have um, a client and they've got Um, 75 or 80 items that they're offering or more I'm pretty comfortable because what's going to happen is a a lot of the items are going to land kind of about where people expect them to about where our estimates can be a few aren't going to do as well but a few are going to take off and we don't know which ones are going to take off but if if the client can look at the big picture and say hey I'm I'm kind of averaging it all together as I look at this thing they're going to have items that take off And one of the power—it's the the power of auction. You've heard me talk about before—is you don't know which one's going to take off. It's—it's that day. What are the items that are in demand, and how much do the bidders want to want that item? And it it comes down to that. And the the more excited bidders you have, the better you are. You need at least two, but more is better.
0: You know, you think about the the TV shows, Antique Roadshow, or what's the one in Las Vegas, the uh, Pawn Stars. Have you ever had an mm-hmm. item that was presented to you and um, you guys started researching it and realized, oh my gosh, I don't think the owner or the estate realized what this is. And you have the opportunity to disclose to them that what they have in front of them is really something super special that, that they didn't actually realize. Or is that, is that just, are, are those just TV shows and that doesn't really happen in real life?
2: That happens from time to time because people think people have inherited items and when they've inherited items, they They're not exactly sure what what it is. And they certainly aren't sure if it's in demand. It's funny. a lot of times, um a lot of times you can tell, I guess an example I'll give is I was out on a couple of of calls early on when I was working in the auction business. and and we went to two houses. One of them looked as beautiful as it could look. And you'd love to have your kids go. You know, you wouldn't have been. Uh, concerned in those days if your kids go trick-or-treating there and everything looked, looked beautiful. The other one looked like the Adams Family or the Munsters house a little bit, just being old, not taken care of. We were walking in, and the the auctioneer that was with me said, um, this one looks like it could be good. So we go in there, and it was one of the better opportunities that I had seen. And I asked him, how did you know? He said, because the window treatments haven't changed in a very long time. That means the family probably hasn't moved out of the house. And one of the things you discover is when families – don't move out of a house or when someone buys a house from a family member, they don't move out the way we do in a traditional sale of real estate. In a traditional sale of real estate, everything is going, it's all cleaned up, there's nothing there. But things hang around because you're selling it to a to a child or, or a family member. And that's where some of the, the really great opportunities come from because there are things tucked away that are often in really good shape because they've been tucked away. As long as it's, you know, weather tight. Um, and you can get, you can have some wonderful surprises. We had a, a client who was um, downsizing and had reached out and said, I, "I have everything ready. I have all the junk out in the dumpster, and inside the house, we're all ready for you to come through." It was referred to me by a professional organizer I work with. I trusted her, and I said, "Okay, we'll come do it." Right up on the top of the dumpster were five Plycraft chairs from the early nineteen fifties. Mid-century mm. modern stuff has been hot for a long time those five playcraft chairs brought an uh, excess of $3600 there was nothing in the home no individual item in that home that had that kind of value and she said you mean these old things i never even liked them i said yeah well that was part of, part of it you never really liked them you kept them in great shape and they're now in vogue so you have all kinds of different Different ways that you see these things, but when it, when a when a house hasn't changed hands, that's often when there's a really good opportunity.
1: Stemming away from actual real items and going back to the whole virtual world, uh, what about non tangible items or um, the pickup in the marketplace with NFTs? Is that something you're you're seeing a presence of within your auctions?
2: We are not yet. That that is beginning to show its way in. The um, some of the auction houses at the very highest level, but it's it's mostly that's mostly items that are art or music or, or videos, um, the NFTs, and they have not they have not come down to the level of where we are, which we're an upscale auction house, but we're not at the level of the Sotheby's or Christie. They are doing that; it's becoming a part of it, and I think we're eventually all going to be dealing with it uh, and having some opportunities in conjunction with it. Um, down the road.
1: It's just been a hot topic, especially part of the estate planning council, um,
2: evaluating
1: those assets within one's estate.
2: Absolutely, Cause when, when there's something, when there's something new like that, that's, that's what everybody wants to talk about. I mean, the estate planning world, that that's what we're talking about all the time is what's new, what's different. What else can we do? What else do we need to learn about? So I'm not surprised that that's a hot issue and it will be for a while. And it'll, it'll eventually broaden, I believe, but we have not, we have not yet. We have not yet been involved in it. What
0: haven't we asked you? When you think about your business and, you know, there's the estate side, there's the downsizing opportunities with families or couples that are moving into smaller homes or moving across the country and they don't want to take everything with them. What would you like to share with our audience that we haven't asked you today?
2: I always like to talk about the power of auction, what makes it, what really makes it exciting. And what I consider the power of auction is just the enthusiasm and the anticipation that there is for an item and the excitement of having two or more of those that can can really push the, the, push the number um, as high as it can go. Because that's really the goal is we're working for the selling client to get them the most that they can. But I also like to talk about the anticipation and enthusiasm that I feel for working with the clients. When I'm working with the uh, family or I'm working with the downsizer of a downsizer's family, it's a tremendous sense of excitement to talk with them and to help them. And they're going through what's a really emotional time in their lives. Most of the time estates are emotional. Downsizing is most of the time emotional. If you're downsizing because of health issues or, and you really would, you really would rather not be downsizing if you could. Those clients, it's really a pleasure to help them, and the anticipation that they have, my, my anticipation of working with them, and then their their uh, their usually their gratitude for the help that they receive is what really makes this exciting for me, and it's what what drives me every day.
1: Tim, thank you for for coming on. Um, Steve and I find your, your, your line of work wildly interesting and it, it goes hand in hand with you know what our, what our goals and objectives are for our client and that's preserving the wealth as well as figuring out how much that wealth is and, and how much someone else is willing to pay for it. So um, we really appreciate your time and the intel you shared today.
2: I appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking with you.
1: Thanks Tim. Take care. Bye. Bye.